Okay, so tonight we're going to do a topic, something that I've been thinking about for a long time, but didn't really have a good opportunity to go ahead and uh, and address it. And uh, now this week it finally came uh, together, so I figured now a better time, no better time than now to go ahead and address it. And it has to do with it. It's it's relates to the halachas of yichud, which we will elaborate on the halachas of the prohibition of seclusion between a man and a woman. And it's going to be specifically in the context of a therapist or a doctor, but we're going to go with a therapist because I have a friend who lives in another city who uh, is a therapist. And I am now, um, I don't know if the correct term is the mashkiach, but I am, or the rafa machsher, but I am the one who, uh, uh, in the event, he often uh, meets with couples, but occasionally he will meet with just a woman in his uh, office, and obviously the concern is that uh, is there going to be a problem of of yichud when uh, he is with a, a client, with a female client. Now it happens to be due to the uh, advancement of technology that he has a camera in the office, and I now have access to that camera. I could log in and I could watch uh, what's going on. Uh, I was doing that uh, today, making sure that everything was uh, was working and whatnot. And the question is, does the presence of a camera in a therapist's office, does that mitigate the prohibition of yichud, or is it going to be yichud anyways? Okay, so this is going to be what we are going to explore tonight. Now, uh, technology permitting, we're going to go ahead and we are going to get this done. Is this you gonna this is nothing to do with the privacy issue of the situation, right? Yeah, there's no what's it called? There is no sound. So I can't hear anything which is uh, which is going on. Uh, yes, that was my question, the, actually. And, and I don't know the people because they are uh in a different city and I I really don't the likelihood of me knowing them is um I wouldn't say zero to nothing, but it's pretty Pretty minimal. Um, they run in different crowds <laughs> than I do. So, okay, so it's there uh, the top of the page by you. Looks good. Looks good. Okay, let me just get you guys a little bit bigger on my second screen over here, so I can see you all. Your smiling faces. That way, when I tell a joke, I'll know whether it hit. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to begin with the first two sefim. So the halachas of Yichud are contained uh, neatly enough in a single simon, in Shulchanach and Evan Ezer. And we're going to begin with just the introduction. The first two sefim are really the introduction to what is uh, what is going on over there. And this will frame for us in a certain way what exactly we're dealing with. And then we're going to jump right in. There's lots of different things which we could do in each subcategory could really be a sheer in and of itself. But we're going to try and focus our attention on the most relevant issues and try and see it in this very broad perspective um, to be able to arrive at a conclusion uh, in the time that we have. Okay, so as I mentioned, this is in Evan Ezer, Simon Chav Base. That's where it is found. And Shulchan Aruch begins with the following. So there's a prohibition for, it's framed from the perspective of the man, but it goes both ways. 
but we're just going to begin just with that, uh, the way it's framed. So a man is prohibited to be in Yichud, to be in seclusion, with any one of the Arias, any one of the women that he is prohibited to marry, Ben Zakena Ben Yalda. And it doesn't make a difference whether the woman is seasoned or whether the woman is old. Shadavers that Garm Legalis Erva. Because a man and a woman in seclusion, so that can easily lead to uh, improper behavior, which certainly would be unacceptable according to halacha. Chutz, however, not every relative that your one is not allowed to marry is there going to be a problem of yichud. Chutz me aim imbana, a mother with her son. So we're not afraid that anything improper is going to take place over there because that is highly unusual. Doesn't it's not that it never happens, but it's something which is unexpected, and we don't have to be concerned about that. The av im bito and a father with his daughter, the habal imishtonida, or a man with his wife who is a nida. So even though while she's a nida, they're not allowed to be intimate with one another. Nonetheless, we assume that once they've been together, they will have the capacity to restrain themselves during the time that she is a, a, a nida, and we're not afraid to leave them alone, uh, that something uh, improper is going to take place. So this is the, the introductory remarks of Shochanar. Now, in Sif Beis, which is source number two over here, Shochanar now elaborates on the evolution of this halacha, and what is we're going to see, what is the daraisa and what is the darabana. So the Gemara says, and this is something which the Gemara speaks out, but uh, brought down now in Shulchan Aruch here. When the incident of Amnon and Tamar arose, so where Amnon took advantage of Tamar, who was unmarried at the time, so a, you have to keep in mind, let's just uh, pause for a moment, that the Isser is one of the Arias. That means that a single guy and a single girl who are not related to one another, there's no Isser of Yichud, because it's not where they arise. They may not be able to be intimate because they're not yet married, but if they were to be intimate, it's not one of the Arias, it's not one of the technical Arias. And therefore, in the time of David HaMelech, for an unmarried man and an unmarried woman to be in seclusion with one another, so they were not in violation of an Isser, However, once the incident where Amnon took advantage of Tamar occurred, Gazar David Dino al So David Amelach, together with his basin, they came along and they issued a decree that there's a prohibition, even with regards to a Penuya, even with regards to an unmarried man or a married man, but a man and a, an unmarried woman. Even though she's not an erva in the sense that there's no uh, uh, ongoing prohibition for them to be intimate, even in the context of marriage. Nonetheless, nonetheless, with an unmarried woman is going to be usher as well. Then, in a later generation, subsequently, the Shammai Vihillel, this is not base Shammai in base Hillel, these were the originators, Shammai and Hillel came along, and they said that one is not allowed to be in seclusion with a non-Jew. So even after David HaMelech and his basins, Gzeira, that there's such a thing as Yichud Midrabanan, but that did not include non-Jews, comes along Shammai and Hillel in the time of the Tanoim, the early Tanoim, and they said that Yichud, even with a non-Jew, is going to be problematic. Nimsa. So now let's go ahead and summarize what we have in terms of 
is we combine the Daraisas and the Darabanas together. Nimsa, anytime a man goes into seclusion or finds himself in seclusion with a woman with whom he's not allowed to be in seclusion, Ben Yisrael is Ben Overes Kochavim. Doesn't make a difference whether the woman is Jewish or whether the woman is not Jewish. So being that this is a violation, maybe Daraisa, maybe Darabanan, but we're going to go ahead as a punishment to make sure that they don't do this again. So we are going to go ahead and punish them, and that is going to be with rabbinic lashes. We take out our rabbinic whip rather than our biblical whip, and we go ahead, not really, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to uh, administer lashes in that case for the violation. Ha'ish ve'ha'isha. And both the man and the woman are in violation of the Isser, and therefore they're both going to go ahead and they're going to receive lashes for that violation. Does Beitin have the power to give lashes to a non-Jewish woman? Um, if Basin is in charge of the country, then yes. Okay. There is such a there is such a thing in halacha as punishing non-Jews. A non-Jew who violates the Shavu Mitzvahs B'nai Noach technically gets executed for that. So who's going to do the execution other than a Jewish basin? Does this, now, include, does this include a, uh, a non-Jewish male? Two, two males, one male, one Jewish, one not? Um, huh? so I, don't want to, I don't want to even touch that now. If, if, that, if that's okay. That's uh, whether or not there's yichud between two males or two females is a whole separate discussion, which I'm not yet ready to to tackle, at least publicly. That but what about a Jewish have... woman and a non-Jewish well, male? One second, Alan. That'll be a show we'll have to give yeah. on Shabbos where it can't be recorded. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, Alan. What about a non-Jewish male and a Jewish woman? Yeah, that's that comes under this. Yeah, so so so, so that that, okay. that that would be a problem. So it, it, these types of situations arise sometimes when somebody needs um, somebody is uh, can't take care of themselves and they need some sort of help in the home. They need a nurse or something in the home. So this comes up where you can have a uh, the the wife is not well. She's stuck in bed or something like that. The husband is in the house and there's a caregiver who's a female, so the female caregiver who may not be Jewish and the husband are in the much of the house together because the wife isn't going anywhere outside of her bedroom. She's confined to her room. So you can have a problem of yichud there or vice versa, where the wife is around, it's a male caregiver, but now the male caregiver and the wife, you know, could be in the kitchen, the dining room, could be in the basement, could be wherever they want to be because the husband is confined to bed where he is. So these types of things happen in that this scenario. Whether or not somebody is completely incapacitated, you know, that uh, isn't going to be a problem of Yukon. Okay, that's also an, uh, another shear. But in theory, it, it's it's enough of a problem that you have to ask a Shail about it. Okay, now, although we're going to go ahead and punish the violators of this Isser with Malchus, so says Shochanar, however, in the event that a married woman was caught in seclusion with another man, we're not going to go ahead and administer Malchus. Why? Why does a married woman get, in a sense, a free pass? Even though it was absolutely prohibited for her to be in seclusion with a man other than her husband, 
in the event that she violated that Isser, she and the fellow violated that Isser, and they were in um, seclusion anyways, we don't give Malchus. Why? Because if we were to administer lashes, people would say, oh, why did Mrs. So-and-so get lashes today? Oh, she was in Yichud with somebody other than her husband. She was in seclusion with somebody other than her husband. She's probably having adulterous affairs. And then if we say she's probably having adulterous affairs, what does that say about the children? Maybe the children are mamzerim. And that would be bad news for the Jews. That would be bad news to go ahead and make that, to, to raise that suspicion. And then in the uh, in in the bakery and the butcher shops and whatnot. So people, as they're waiting in line to pay for their groceries, so they'll be talking about whoever it is that they're talking about. And they'll mention Mrs. So-and-so receiving lashes for uh, having violated the answer of Yehud. And suddenly nobody wants to make a shidduch with their family because maybe the children are all mamzerim. Nothing to do with their character, yeah. just have to do with their their status. Their so, status. so we don't we don't give lashes to her. What about the man that she was in Yichud with? Do we give lashes to him or not him either? I think we give to him because we don't have to say who he was in Yichud with. We just uh, say he violated the Yisur Yichud. Okay, so now there are so now in the case of. The, and certainly a married woman is one of the Arias. So there's no doubt about that, that a married woman is one of the Arias. So now we've framed the uh, the issue that the, uh, my therapist friend is going to face. Because if he's meeting with a, a married woman in his office and it's just him in that woman, so that would seem to be a classic case of Yichud. And if there's going to be a case of Yichud, so that would be a, a problem and that would not be good. So now we begin to explore some of the leniencies and what we're going to do here is a, an exercise, which we do in rabbinics at times, where we go ahead and we stack together different um, potential heterim, different heterim, although they may be argued, they may be debated, each one by itself, but you stack enough of them together, and then the net result of that uh, can often be a kula. So we're going to start to do that. It's going to be two sifim in Shulchan Aruch, with some achronim, uh, uh, some later commentaries on that. So first one goes like this. In, this one comes out of the Gemara. If you have a woman, a married woman, whose husband is in town, so there's no concern about a, another man being in Yichud with that married woman if her husband is in town. Because there's there's a discussion what exactly this means, but the simple translation is is that she's aware of her husband's presence and knowing that he is sort of around in town. So that is enough to make her hesitate to go ahead and do something which is going to be usher. She would not go anything beyond uh, the uh, the seclusion, and she's not going to uh, have an adulterous affair. And we don't have to be worried about the yichud either. However, in the event that the man she is in seclusion with is somebody that she has a close relationship with, could be a co-worker or something like that, could be her hairdresser, for example, for example, they grew up as neighbors or something, they were in the same apartment building, or they are cousins or second cousins or first cousins once removed, whatever it is, but they have a relationship with one another. 
or if the husband had already been suspicious that his wife is hanging out with this other fellow very often and he warned her from Masecha Sota, I don't want you, be in to, you to be in seclusion with so-and-so anymore. Then, you're not, in any one of those scenarios, then the married woman is not allowed to be in seclusion with that man, even though her husband is in town. But this is the Eheter, which is known as Baila Be'ir, where the husband is in town. Now, there's a major debate, which I alluded to it when we started this. There's a major debate exactly what Baila Be'ir means. Is Baila Be'ir, is this allowance that the husband is in town, is that because of the possibility that he could show up at any moment? And being that he could show up at any moment, so she would be hesitant to go ahead and do anything improper because maybe her husband will come in, which... If that's the basis of it, so then it's not going to be an across-the-board heter, because if you have a woman who lives in Skokie, and her husband works downtown, and he just called from the office line, so she knows that it's that he can't get home any earlier than 45 minutes from now. So for 45 minutes, she's in the clear. There's no way he could walk in the door. If you say, on the other hand, so that's one approach, where there's going to be limited application of bile of ear, because it really revol- revolves around her hesitancy to do something improper because maybe her husband will walk in. Or some people say that the uh, that it's a psychological uh, idea, that knowing the husband is not so far away, knowing that he's in town, that is enough to make a, a woman, a married woman, hesitant to do something which is improper. And it doesn't make a difference the fact that she knows he's 45 minutes away or she knows that her husband just started surgery and he's not coming home for the next five hours or so, but just knowing that her husband is in town is already enough to make her to make her hesitate. But that is a heter which is out there, and this is something which is already one point, that when the therapist is meeting with this married woman and her husband is in town, assuming she's married and her husband is in town, so that already is a potential leniency for, uh, for Yichud. Maybe yes, maybe no, but it is something which uh, which uh, a, a potential leniency. Now Rabbi there's another. Apple, excuse yes. me. Um, yes. The reason that the she might be going to the therapist is she might be having problems with her husband. So, uh, is that by la beir? Is that in a, especially with a therapist? Is that a you know, is that even a consideration? Because you've already got probably somebody who's got uh, uh, marital problems. So I, I would think maybe that's, you can't even use that. Maybe. Right. So, right. Very good. So according to the first explanation, so that may be true, because when it, when it's a matter of whether she has a fear or not, so that may be true. If you say it's this psychological thing, sort of like Xeris Takasov, they are, that may apply even in that uh, that case. On top of which, many people go to the therapist to complain about their parents. <laughs> it's it's not about their spouse. It's about it's the parents' fault. Mm-hmm. So the uh, relationship with the husband may or may not be good, or they may be complaining about their kids. But you're right. That that that's, that 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 is one of the the nafkamin is between those two explanations. If the reason why she's meeting with the therapist is because she has a strained relationship with her husband, so then maybe one of the explanations would apply and the other one would not. Very good. Now, the post-game debate, whether or not this heter of Baila Be'ir, does that work in the reverse? In other words, what happens? Do we say that a man, a married man, 
is not going to violate the Isser of Yehud, knowing that his wife is in town. Uh, would be Ba'Allah with a Mapike. Is that how it would work? Art? Yes. Okay. Ba'Allah Be'ir. So it's going to be if her, if the uh, the wife is in town. So the Tzitz Eliezer, he wrote a long, long, you find it in his tshuvas, but he wrote a long, it's probably like 30, 40 pages, all on the halachas of Yehud. Ba'Allah Ba'ir is the existing one. You're, you're talking about about Ishto um, Ba'ir is what you're talking about, right? You're talking about a man if his wife is in town? Correct. Yeah, so. You would you wouldn't say some sort of baala that baal No, it would be it would it would be ishto. It's not the baal; it's the wife. Ishto, ishto ba'ir. Ishto ba'ir, right? Okay. So whether or not there's such a a leniency called ishto ba'ir, so the tzitz Eliezer he said he writes his files. He says umatzati v'shuvas imre yosher. So he writes. We'll just jump ahead. The imre yosher asks, "Mashen istapik binyan yichun." That the uncertainty, the person who posed the question to the to the Imre Yosher was wondering about this exact case, whether there's going to be Yichud for a man. Does a man violate the issue of Yichud knowing that his wife is in town? Whether the, the prohibition of Yichud applies. And the one posing the question already saw the Beish Shmuel, one of the primary commentators on Evan Ezer. Shakasav that he writes the Medivra Kasav Mishnah in Nira Kane Duloshach Isu Kishtobir that the Beis Shmuel seems to indicate based on the Beis Yosef, the Kasav Mishnah, the Beis Yosef, that the prohibition of Yichud does not apply for a married man if his wife is in town as well. Meaning that the lot that it's spouse beir, it's not baila beir, beir, the husband in town, or ishto beir, but it works both ways. So it's spouse beir. <laughs> Is really the header. That's what the Beish Shmuel seems to hold. And the Beish Shmuel, who uh, infers this from the language of the Kesef of Misha, seems to indicate that he doesn't disagree. However, says Imre Yosher, this position, this notion that the allowance is really spouse beir and not baila beir, requires a little bit of analysis or a lot of analysis. The hub in Mishnah Kedushin Besofo Isa, because if you look at the Mishnah towards the end of Masechus Kedushin, it says, Imo, that when another way to go ahead and mitigate the Isser of Yichud for a man and a woman other than his wife is, Imo, when his wife is together with him. So if it's a man, his wife, and another woman, so then, so they can share a room together because. If he were to get out of line, so she's got that frying pan wound up and ready to go, and there's no way he is going to misbehave. So what do, what do we see? And we see, oh, you've got to check under your wife's pillow to see if there's a frying pan. So over there, the language of the Mishnah is, Ishto Imo, that the allowance that for a husband to not violate the Isra of Yehud is only when his wife is with him, right? It's not Ba'ir. She has to literally be with him, meaning in his presence. The mashma babayis that they have to be in the same house. But when it comes to a woman, then we said as long as her husband is in town, then there's no isu yichud. 
So the Imre Yosher is pointing out that the Mishnah, Chazal, actually talk about a man whose husband, a man whose wife is nearby, or a woman whose husband is nearby, and we use different language. And that language, is, we assume, is specific. Because when it comes to a married woman, so it's not going to be Yichud as long as her husband is in town, Ba'ir. When it comes to a man, it's not Yichud only when Ishto Imo, his wife, is together with him. But to be in town, it sounds like that's that's not enough. And that's the language of Shulchan Arach, that we differentiate between Ba'ir and Imo, whether they're in town or with him. That when it comes to a woman where there's this fear or this awareness of her husband's presence in town, so anywhere in town is enough to mitigate the Yisra Yichud. When it comes to a man who's not going to have that same fear of his wife, so just that when she's there to literally watch him, so as long as she's with him physically in his presence, so then there won't be an issue of Yichud. But once she's out of the house, so it certainly sounds like from Chazal and from Shulchan that the prohibition of Yichud would apply. So even though the Beis Shmuel seems to subscribe to the view of the Kest of Mishnah, who says that the allowance is really, the heter is really spouse be'ir, and not baila be'ir, the language of Shulchan Aruch seemingly does not, uh, does not support that. But, says Imre Yosher, Then the Imre Yosher says, however, one could argue, and say that when it comes to a man also, a married man, we could also say that as long as his wife is in town, even though she's not in the same house as him, it's not going to be a problem of Yichud. Why? Because we assume that even if she's not in the house at the moment, she could pop in at any moment. Because certainly in the time, generations ago, so women were most commonly found in the house. So even if she went out to you know, get a chicken or something for, get vegetables for uh, for soup, for dinner or for Shabbos, but she'll be back very shortly because what else do people do? They didn't have coffee shops to be able to go out to the coffee shop. So there, and it wasn't common for women to be hanging around uh, in the marketplace. And therefore, although she's not literally in the house at the moment, She's somewhere else in town. We consider it as if she's there because she's coming back at any moment. So since she's coming back at any moment, so that's why wherever she is, she's essentially with him because she's never too far away. But again, back in the time of Chazal, where men spent most of the day outside of the house, so then you couldn't expect that the husband is going to pop in at any moment because He's not. They work from sunrise to sunset or sunrise until So from that perspective, from the married woman's perspective, we can't say that the husband is ima, that he's together with her because he may show up at any moment, because he's not. The reason we say balabir is because in that case, in that uh, circumstance, so her awareness of his presence in town is still enough to um, strike the fear of God in her to go into Yichud or to do something which is improper. And it's going to be permitted because she has that awareness of her husband's presence. But this, the difference in language set, uh, argues the uh, the Imre Yosher 
is not because the halacha is different. The difference in language is just based on the mitzvahs. That most often women were home, most often husbands were not home, and that's the how we're going to explain away that language, but it has nothing to do with a difference in halacha. And the Tzitz Eliezer assumes that the Imre Yosher adopts the lenient view of the Beishmul and the Kesef Mishnah, that the Heter isn't specifically by Labair for a married woman that her husband is in town, but the Tzitz Eliezer assumes that the, the Imre Yosher, the Kesef Mishnah, and the Beishmul hold that the Heter is spouse Beir. As long as the spouse is somewhere in town, and certainly when the spouse can pop in at any moment, so that is... That already is grounds for, for leniency. Okay, so that is point number one to think about, that when the therapist who's married meets with a woman who's married, so she may have the heter of Bailab ear, which helps for both of them. So there may be no yichud for her because her husband is in town, and there may be no yichud for him because his wife is in town. And in this instance, it happens to be that the, his office is in his basement. So it may be that... Uh, you know, if there's if there's a possibility that she could sort of pop in, then which she probably doesn't. But if there's a possibility that she could pop in, so that already is enough to say that that would be uh, that's enough to say that there's not going to be uh, an issue of yichud for him as well. Okay. So, are you saying that if if it's a single man and a married woman, you're saying that even though there's a heter for the woman, the man is still aser? No, no, no. If either one of them has a hetter, that's going to take care of it for both people who are in seclusion. Right. So, so, I, so, in that case, it doesn't seem to matter whether the therapist is married, as long as the woman is married. Correct. Yeah. Okay. With a single, if he was meeting with an unmarried or a divorced woman who's complaining about her parents or her kids, so then she's already done complaining about her husband. So then, then you would need the hetter from his perspective. Okay. Ishto imo. Okay. Now, the main thrust of this, however, was we're focusing on the uh, on the security camera, so it's really going to come ahead there from the next sif. And here we're going to try and read this introductory remark. It's from a sefer on Yichud called Shar HaYichud. So he writes this as This is going, this an introduction to Sif Tess. It says, So Sif Tess, he says, is the heart and soul of the prohibition of Yichud as well as the leniencies which apply. And the other leniencies which exist, of which there are numerous ones, but ultimately they all derive from the principles of Sif Tess. Therefore, So we have to elaborate a little bit with this introduction. And that is, that the nature of mankind is, that people are afraid to be caught by others. Nobody wants to be caught doing something wrong by others. And the person says, meaning, I hope nobody sees what I'm doing. And that's true of any private matter. That's why, uh, you know, like a peeping Tom or something like that is so violative because things which I want to do in private, I want to be private, and I don't want anybody looking at my private stuff, even if what I'm doing is not us, sir, but I don't want people, uh, you know, meddling in my uh, my private business. And this is certainly more true when the activity that the person is engaged in is prohibited. That if a person is caught doing that, 
So he will certainly be embarrassed by those who see. And the person is always also afraid that somebody will publicize what they're doing wrong. So a person is going to make sure to be as cautious as they possibly can in order to avoid being caught and being discovered as whatever it is that he's doing. Out of fear that the matter will become revealed. So therefore, this is going to be a major foundation of the leniency is that whenever we can assume halachically that the people involved are scared to get caught. In halachic terminology, that's what we call mirsas, or mirtat, would be if you pronounce it uh, like in uh, in modern Hebrew. So when the person is afraid to be caught, so then that's going to also mitigate the iser of yichud. Because people, if, if there's the, the possibility, if there's the likelihood that they're going to get, the, that somebody will see what they're doing, so we are confident halachically that they're not going to do something which is improper. However, there are boundaries to this as well. Because when a person's Yetzirah is really working overtime, sometimes uh, the Yetzirah will get the best of you and will convince a person to do something where the likelihood of, get, of getting caught seems to be minimal, and therefore the person is willing to take the risk. So everything has to be measured, whether or not the likelihood of getting caught is worth the risk of what a person is doing. So there's not across the board heterim over here. Each situation has to be measured and considered based on its own circumstances. And therefore, there are many instances where there's an uncertainty or we're not confident. If the level of fear of getting caught is enough that we can be confident that the person is not going to sin or is the risk not going to be high enough? How risk-averse is the person or not? Okay, so that's what the, that's the introduction that the Shah HaYichud gives to this halacha. And now we'll see the uh, the Sif itself. So this is, in, again, Evan Ezra Simon Chav Beis Sif Tes. So this is straight out of the Gemara. But we say If you have a, a house where the door opens to the street, and we're not even talking necessarily about Skokie houses where the house faces the street, but the door is on the side of the street. Think of it in terms of where the door literally faces the street. So So there's no concern about seclusion with an erva in that circumstance. Because being that the house, the door is open to Rosh Hashanah, and we're going to discuss whether it literally has to be open or not, but the door is, assuming right now, the door is literally open to Rosh Hashanah, and that's the only room we're discussing. We're not talking about basements or upstairs, just one room, a one-room house, and that front door opens to Rosh Hashanah, there's no issue of Yichud, because what does anybody, why would anybody do something which is also there since public, tra- since traffic, goes by, people are traveling by all the time. If somebody was doing something which is improper, they'd be seen. And therefore, we're not afraid that they're going to violate, the, that the, they would do something improper. And therefore, it's not going to be a violation of the prohibition of Yichud. Now, the question is going to be, as we're going to see, what uh, what exactly are the parameters of this idea of Pesach, Pasuach, Lemeshus, And we're going to, now, one thing is, 
Um, this is from the Imre Yaakov, source seven. Try to get through this a little bit quickly because we have a lot. But the Imre Yaakov says, now, in our houses, so let's say you have a house. Uh, we'll talk about windows, but let's just uh, for argument's sake. Let's say that the door opens into the living room and the man and the woman are in the living room with the front door open so that everybody can see inside. They're walking home. It's uh, You live in one of those uh, corners of one of those houses where after Shul Shabbos morning, you see almost everybody that you know. One of the, one of those types of, uh, of corners. So if the door is open over there, so nobody's going to do anything wrong. But let's say they live in more than a one-room house. Let's say there's an upstairs and a downstairs. So if there's an upstairs and a downstairs, so do we say, granted, at the moment, the man and the woman are alone in the room which faces the street with the door open. But maybe we should say it's a problem of Yichud because if they wanted, they could go upstairs where people won't see them, or they could go in the basement where people won't see them. So maybe the existence of the possibility that they could sneak away from that public area, maybe that already is enough to make it also for them to be in seclusion, even in the room where the door opens to Rosh Hashanah. So do we have to be afraid of that or not? So the Imre Yaakov quotes, he says, and he quotes and then he explains, Kasel Chazunish, the Chazunish writes, this allowance, this leniency, which if the doorway opens to Rosh Hashanah, that we can be lenient, that there's no Isra of Yichud. The Chazish says, even though the couple who are alone right now with the door open, they could always close the door and lock it. There's always a possibility that they could lock the door. There is a door there. The Chazish says, we're not afraid that they're going to go ahead and lock the door. So even though in their current circumstance, it's not Yichud because the door is open, we don't have to say it's Yichud because maybe they'll go ahead and lock the door and then they'll be all by themselves and nobody will be able to see inside. Summarizes the Imre Yaakov. Ubir Hadvar, the explanation is, even though the couple could easily lock the door, and once they do so, it will be a violation of Yichud, because nobody's walking in at that point, and nobody's going to be able to see. Because in just a moment, you could go ahead and you could close the door, and it's locked, and nobody could get in. The Chazunish maintains, and many other postgames as well, but the Chazunish writes, As long as right now, in this moment, there is no Yichud, because right now, at this moment, the door is open and everybody can see inside. So so we don't have to be afraid of what they may do and put themselves into Yichud at some point later on. All we care about is Bashir Husham. All we care about is what's happening at this moment right now. So as long as at this moment right now, there's no Yichud, there's no Yichud. What they may do, they may go into Yichud at some point in the future. So then they'll violate the Yisr at that point. But right now, just because the potential exists to make this a secluded area doesn't mean that they violated the Yisra already. The prohibition of the Torah is to be in a circumstance of Yichud in the moment, not to be in a space where you could go into Yichud later on. That's a different thing. But that's not going to be the Yisra of Yichud. So the fact that you could potentially, so if, if you're in a room, let's say in the case of the camera, so even though there may be rooms which they could go off to the side where they're outside of the view of the camera, so the Chazanish says we don't have to be afraid about that. 
as long as right now they're in the presence of the camera, they're 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 seen by other people. As long as they're seen by other people at this moment, there's no Easter of Yichud now. And even though the possibility exists that they could in the future go into Yichud, that doesn't mean they're in violation of anything at this moment. So that's one point that the uh, that the Imre Yaakov explains from the uh, the the Chazanish. Okay, now the language of the Gemara was Pesach Pesuch that there is a door which opens to Rishisarabim. So the postgame, another point that the postgame discuss is whether or not door means literally a door that anybody can walk in, or does it mean something else? So the note of Yehuda writes, he says Gam and it's in the middle of a discussion, which is not relevant for us over here, so we're just grabbing the middle of a sentence, but it has the essential information that we need. So the note of Yudah says that when a, a woman's husband is in town, there's no Isra of Yichud. Even a window, or a doorway, which opens to Rishos Rabin. So the note of Yudah has now expanded our definition over here. It says not only if the doorway opens to a Shusarabim, which allows anybody who wants to enter into the room where this man and the woman happen to be, but the note of Buddha says even if there's a window to a Shusarabim, so nobody's going to be able to enter, but you have one of those big living room windows where the people walking by the street can see inside of the living room. So the very fact that people walking by can see inside of the living room, even if the door is locked and they can't actually get in, but the fact that they could see the man and the woman sitting there, so says the note of Yehuda, that already is enough to take away Yehud. So this is an important step in our process over here, because if you took the, the language of Chazal literally, to mean that there has to be the potential that somebody is going to walk in at any time. So if I'm here in Skokie and I'm watching a security camera in New York somewhere, so obviously I'm not going to be able to walk in there at any time. But if the what mitigates the Isser is the fact that anybody could see what's going on over there, so the security camera allows me to go ahead and see what's going on, and that already, based on this note of Yudu, that already is enough to say, potentially say, that there's not going to be an Isser of Yehud, on top of which... There's also, we would say that although if the camera's on, there's no yichud. Again, we're not saying necessarily that it does. But if we were to, even if we were to say that the camera being on mitigates the issue of yichud, ah, what about the fact that they could cover the camera or they could they could cut the power? You're right. But that was the chazanish. The chazanish says that as long as right now somebody could see in, we're not afraid that they'll disappear somewhere and they'll get out of sight later on. That'll be an issue that they'll violate at that point. But as long as right now they stay in the presence of the camera, that is not Yichud, even though they could go hide somewhere else in the room. And the Marsham takes it a step further. The Marsham says, one of the great poskim about uh, two or three generations ago at this point, he says, So he's also talking about, there's a major debate in the Achronim about when we the Gemara says, Pesach Pesuch that you have a door which opens to the public. What happens if the door is closed but not locked? If the door is closed but not locked, so that somebody, if they wanted to open the door, they could just open the door and walk in, but the door is closed, so is that, is the fact that it's not locked enough, or does it literally have to be open as a way of saying, it's open, just come right in, you don't even have to bother, uh, bother knocking, you could come in more unexpected. So the, the Marsham writes, 
He says, He says, even if a doorway is locked, and there's a window, but the window is high up off of the ground. So as you're standing on the sidewalk, you can, actually cannot see in the window. But if you were standing on a chair or a bench, then you'd be high enough to be able to see through the window. Or let's say on the second side of the room, there's another, it's an adjacent house. Uh, in the, which have people there. So near the base, dira dishriach sharshifa ubayom yeshlahakya. So as long as there's a window which is open, there's no shades which are pulled down. And even though the window is high off the floor, as long as there's a bench or a chair that somebody could stand on and see into the window, so the marsham is lenient even as far as that. So even though the couple is in a certain way is concealed, because unless you stand on the bench or the chair, you're not going to be able to see in the window. The marsham is still willing to be, it still seems to be lenient with that. As long as people know, as long as the man and the woman know that there's a possibility that somebody could come by and somebody could stand on that bench and they could look inside, that already is enough to create the fear, the fear factor, to go ahead and mitigate the prohibition of Yichud. Then, the Tzitz Eliezer says, this is later on in that uh, that contrast, so he writes, and we're going to now, you'll see how the mind of a posek, how he combines a number of different things together to reach his conclusion. And we'll try and read it quickly. Says the Fiza says, based on all of our analysis, the that as long as there's a door which opens to the public, which opens to the street, Gam Begasba, even if the man and the woman who are in seclusion have a friendly relationship with one another, the Gambe Prisim, and even if they are not necessarily known to be the most moral people, which does not imply in my case over here. So he says, says it's, he doesn't talk about a therapist, but he talks about a woman, a female, visiting a male doctor for an examination, and he closes the door. Obviously, you don't want everybody in the waiting room to be looking at the examination. But he says, even though the doctor and the woman are in the examination room, he says it's not going to be a problem of Yichud. Provided that the door isn't locked with a key. Provided that if somebody turned the handle, they could get in. So the Tzitz Eliezer says, I think there's enough grounds to be lenient. And now he adds, Provided that, which would not be the case in, in, in the, my therapist friend's case, but he says, provided that in the waiting room, you have at least three people or perhaps even a married couple. Because although the door is closed, since it's not locked and there are people outside, according to some post scheme, that already qualifies as a doorway which opens to Rosh Hashanah. As explained earlier, we explained further over there, that it's considered to be a door which opens to the public, even if the door is closed, provided that it's not locked with a key. Even if the doctor is giving her an exam, which is private, right? let's say he's an, uh, uh, an OBGYN doctor, so clearly nobody else should be walking in the room at the time of the exam. 
and they have some sort of relationship. But nonetheless, we wouldn't consider that to be any worse than if they have just Stam, he's not a, a, a doctor, but it's just a man and a woman who have a friendly relationship. Umafritz, uh, or somebody who is not known to be so moral. That already is enough to consider it as if there's a doorway which opens to the public so that it should not be considered Yichud. So he's being very lean. He's adopting an extremely lenient view over here. Vahamirtasi, that's the word mirsas, the mirsasi, l'shema yiftach mishu es and the fear that the doctor and the woman have that maybe somebody will open the door, maybe a nurse, and maybe a nurse practitioner, or maybe, uh, you know, whoever it is. Yesh b'midas ma, afil isha kamuvan, so there is that possibility uh, existing when the doctor is examining the woman, and therefore, since the possibility exists, that somebody could just barge in, so because the door is not actually locked, that enough, the Tzitz Eliezer says, to go ahead and to say that there's no Isser. And then he says, Now we're combining another heter. In the event that we're talking about a married woman, and her husband is somewhere in town, not necessarily that he's nearby, but he's in town, in cases of necessity, we could be lenient. Even if they lock the door, because the allowance, the leniency for Bailabir would apply even when all of the conditions of Yichud are met. But the very fact that the husband is in town, that itself could mitigate the Yisr. And we could rely on those poskim who are lenient, even if the door is locked, as long as the husband is in town. Where he gives her permission to go to, let's say, the therapist's office and to talk privately with the therapist, but as long as he's in town, so their post can say that that already is going to be a heter. And even if the woman who is the client or the patient is not married, she's widowed, she's single, she is uh, divorced, we could also, another grounds for leniency is the fact that the wife of the doctor or the therapist is in town. And we can rely on those postkim who say that it's not a heter of baila beir, that the husband is in town, it's a heter of spouse beir, that the other spouse is there regardless of who we're talking about. Just like it helps when the husband is in town. The sof sof, lo din gas, um, okay, the rest of it we don't uh, really need. But here, so the Tzitz Eliezer was combining a number of different things together to formulate a leniency, which he is comfortable with as far as the doctor is concerned, and many of the same things, not in this case, in some cases by a therapist, there could be a waiting room also, in my particular instance, not. But there's a lot of different heterium which he combines over here. On top of which, and this was one of the keys, here we we'll go back to Imre Yaakov. So there, there's the postkim discussed at length, this issue, recent postkim obviously discussed at length whether a security camera is going to be enough grounds for a heter. Some say yes, some say no. But one of the uh, the authorities, which I consider to be authoritative, 
he writes very explicitly. He says, "Im yesh matzlemot." If there are cameras, hamitzalemes es hanase bechedre habayis, which are videoing, are 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 um, are, are on. And they are capturing, that's probably a good word, they're capturing what's happening in the house or in the room. Uh, uh, and there are other people who have the ability to go ahead and see what, what the the uh, the video is uh, is capturing, what the camera is capturing. Says the Imre Yaakov, He maintains that that is going to be sufficient, that there's no concern about Yichud at all. The Havi and he considers that comparable to conceptually, that's the same thing as having a doorway to the public. So just like when the doorway is open to the public, there's no yichud because people could see inside, and therefore the man and the woman in the room wouldn't do anything improper for fear of getting caught. The very fact that there's a camera and the therapist and the client knows that there is somebody who could turn on their app and see what's going on in the room at any time. So as long as the therapist and the client are aware of that and they know that uh, that possibility, so the Imre Yaakov says that is going to take away the Isser of Yichud. So it's mm-hmm. on that that uh, that uh, that that uh, this uh, this therapist is going to uh, you know uh, continue his business with the uh, the camera. Over there, and hopefully there'll be a letter saying that uh, that according to halacha that this is an acceptable way to avoid violating the isra of you. That sounds to me like the camera is not even necessary, assuming the therapist is married, right? I mean, he's married; his wife is in town. Isn't that enough, even without the camera? Um, so yes, except in this case, it's I don't think she ever actually comes down. So whether or not you can apply spouse the ear where she's not actually going to show up. Um, that makes a, it makes it a little bit more shaky ground. So having somebody who's, in a sense, in the room, like the note of Yehuda, just the very fact that somebody could see in, even if they can't actually walk in, so that's enough to uh, to mitigate the yeser. The well, one question, I understand this is about Yehud, but one question about privacy in a situation like that, although this is being done for ethical purposes, is he required to tell his patient that there's a camera um so uh, uh, yeah I, I don't know you know as far as licensing and i don't know hipaa laws and anything of that sort but he does he does tell them so that they should know that there's no yichud so they're aware of the presence of the camera there's no there's no audio on the camera so you can't hear any of the content of of the conversation but uh but they are aware of the uh, the presence of the camera thank you all righty Okay. Gavalik. Thank you, Rabbi. Good job, everyone.